The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. We want to welcome you to our podcast today. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your speaker today. Welcome, podcasters. I am so excited about giving you this message today. We're calling it The Exchange Life Gone Wild. And I know that's kind of a unusual title. But what we're going to be dealing with in this particular podcast is just the basics of the Greek definitions that come from the words that are in Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 19. First, I have a question for all of us to contemplate as I'm reading these scriptures. Why do exchange lifers use grace to enslave others? Now, another way of asking that is, why are exchange lifers so judgmental? Those are actually good questions because we need to really take a few moments and define What happens when a person goes from living under the law to living under grace? And why is there such a significant difference between those who live under the law are more respectable? They respect authority more than indwelt Christians. They are obedient more in the workplace. These are just general statistics. Indwelt believers tend to be the most irresponsible people that are in our world today. So we need to evaluate why is that exactly. Now here's what our passage says. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? May it never be. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience... You are slaves of the one whom you obey. So Paul is helping us connect to the simple fact that don't just talk about being under grace and don't just talk about being under the law, meaning you're unsaved. You need to look at who you're really obedient to. Are we slaves to sin or are we slaves to Grace, righteousness, we have to look at it. So when we look at you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God that through you, even though you were slaves to sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. One of the number one issues that's still present in our world today, particularly our cultures, and that is the war against slavery. I don't 
really know too many people that would get excited about being called a slave, but I'm one of them. Being a slave is not a bad thing, it's actually a very good thing. But what you're enslaved to determines who you're enslaved to. That question is worth reviewing. I want to be a slave to Jesus Christ. I want to be a slave to righteousness. If we spend so much time worrying against, I'm enslaved to nobody, I am no one's slave. Well, that kind of thinking is a confession of far more reaching depravity than you're probably willing to admit to. So he finishes with, for just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now you present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. If there's any listener right now who is calling themselves an authentic Christian and you're not interested in the pursuit of sanctification, you are not saved. Those two do not go together. If you are born again and are making the claim that you're indwelt by Jesus Christ, you have a built-in passion and desire to be sanctified. Sanctified is also seen as working out your salvation. Sanctified is making sure that you are no longer slaves to sin, but you are slaves to righteousness. It's that process that Paul is revealing to us. The results of all this is sanctification. So people who are not into sanctification are into sinless perfection the greatest infection and virus in the exchange life community. So let's look at the term using grace to sin. In the Greek there, it's using divine influence to miss the mark. Now I'm hoping that there's at least one person out there, one mind that is listening to this podcast, that you're already starting to judge me. Because you really could become the person that we are speaking of today. See, the exchange life people now receiving the label that we're the most judgmental, elitist group of Christians on the face of the planet. Those are real terms that are being tacked onto us. We're elitist. That's not a good label to receive as an exchange life person. These type of indwell believers use Holy Spirit influence to help people miss the mark. Now let's look at the term under the law. The position, condition of being regulated by standards. Now you're being deceived if you don't think that indwelt believers are not putting standards on other Christians. And when they don't meet those standards, they become disappointed in them or they resist them to have fellowship with them or to work with them in service or any other form of overflow of the Holy Spirit. Now we look at the term under grace. The position, condition of being influenced by the divine. Whenever you see the word divine, you can put two words in there. Holy Spirit. 
Divine is the manifestation of the holy. That is done through the Holy Spirit. So when you see the term divine stated, you can usually put in Holy Spirit. The position, condition of being influenced by the Holy Spirit upon the heart. That's being under grace. The other one is position and condition by being regulated by standards. Being under grace is being influenced by the Holy Spirit upon the heart. Slaves for obedience. In the Greek, it is going from involuntary bonded to voluntary. Some of you probably remember our little sermon we did on ear piercing. But the left ear was a volunteer position. So if you had an earring in your left ear, you were a volunteer slave. If you had an earring in your right ear, it meant and communicated. Yeah, in the modern times, it is you're gay. In the biblical times, it means that you are enforced slavery. Someone bought you. The piercing and the ears initially came from slavery, but it is like the fad of today of piercing everything from your nose to your toes. It's not communicating slavery anymore. In fact, as you talk to a lot of tattoo people and tattoo and body piercing comes under the exact same category in the Bible. It's piercing, it's needle piercing, it's bondage, it's it's communicating slavery. Whether it is tattoos or whether it is body piercing, if you talk to those very people, they are usually social justice gospel people. They hate slavery, they stand against slavery, they usually cling to different races that they want to be free from their slavery and so forth. That's why it is heresy. They themselves are communicating what is being communicated to us in this passage. They are slaves themselves to sin. Satan uses the cultural popular stuff to to soften the blow and to liquidate the potent truths of rebellion. So slaves of disobedience in the Greek there means going from involuntary to voluntary. So that is us saying, Christ, I want to be a slave to you. Takes the earring out and puts it in the other ear for volunteer. And then slaves to the one you obey, in the Greek there it is sin, miss the mark, sin or righteousness, and with righteousness it is achieved the proven character or achieved the mark. Being slaves to the one you obey becomes sin, submitting therefore to the things of sin, I'm admitting that sin is my master. If I'm submitting to righteousness, I'm admitting that Christ is my master. So using grace to enslave others to laws of the spirit of life. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. The graceholistic people have removed 
the law in most of their communications. Not understanding the law never moved. So the law of sin and death is going to lead you to death. The law of the spirit will lead you to life. Law is needed in both positions. It doesn't go away. So the exchange life gone wild is this new group of people that are removing law from discussions. Everything's grace, but not realizing that law is in grace. It's just fulfilled. So there we have the turning pivotal point of the exchange life going wild. So the crazy thing is these exchange lifers tend to use grace to enslave people to the law of the Spirit. They'll beat on you with grace truths while not showing you and demonstrating what the grace life is all about. And grace life requires immediate obedience. And see, if you don't make that connection, then you're going to have this religious, people-pleasing mindset of actually trying to force other Christians to live by the law of the Spirit when them themselves refuse to use the term law in their own lives. That's why they're religious. So, yes, I want you to think about whether you truly are an indwell believer. Do you beat people with grace? Do you beat people with love? Do you beat people in order to get them enslaved to the law of the Spirit? Which, ultimately, they need to be enslaved to. But using grace to do it is not the proper method. So obedience from the heart is the big issue. You could also say this, the heart in the Greek and even the Hebrew, the heart is always referencing the spirit, the innermost man. So obedience from the spirit of the man. If I'm obedient from my mind, that is different than the spirit within me being obedient to Christ. So the irony of this is you can actually go through your day and the inner spirit within you, your inner man can be 100% obedient to Christ all day long. And this is where the gracilistic people go wild because they start getting into sinless perfection. They need to understand that the mind of man can be enslaved to sin while they are truly free in Christ Jesus. The spirit of the man has already been redeemed, made alive, and purified, and you cannot make it any cleaner than what it is and what Christ made it on the day of your salvation. But the mind of man, as Paul said, nothing good is in me, dwells within me. He talked about his own condition of the mind, his own condition of what his flesh was like. Well, he was describing all of us. So in and of man, there's nothing good. That's why we're going to have to be given a brand new body when we get to heaven, because there's nothing good Christ wants to take out of that casket after he takes the inner man, the spirit of the man that is within him.
So obedient from the heart in the Greek there is to listen attentively. By implication to heed or confirm to a command or authority. By way of the spirit of the man, the inner mind. So obedient being directly connected to with hearing, you first got it. Number two, you immediately conform to this command and to this authority person and you took action. Simple deal. Teachings committed in the Greek there is instruction, which also means the act or the matter. Doctrine hath been taught. All the doctrines that have been laid out there for the indwell believer, they're not just filing them away in a notebook. They're studying them day in and day out, studying them to show thyself approved to handle accurately the word of truth. Well, people didn't have Bibles until the 1600s. They didn't have personal Bibles until the late 1800s. So how in the world did this work to study to show thyself to be approved to handle accurately the word of truth? Is they would take what Paul was saying under that tree or in that arena and they would write it down. They would script it. And they would write it down and they would, they would comb over it and over it and tell it to their children and to their grandchildren and it just kept being passed down by the heart of the person. Well, we don't do that anymore. We hear a sermon and we take the notes and put it in our Bible notebook. And maybe once in a year we'll start paging through it and go, that was a real good sermon, come to think of it. But people were not logically connecting the message of God. Why did they take all of the time to put the the books of the Bible in a certain order? Because God's into logic. He's into order. He's a God of order. But when it comes to our personal studies of what our pastor and and spiritual disciples are teaching us, are you kidding? They can't even remember what we said that morning. Let alone quote it back, word for word, on what the Lord thy God has spoken through my discipler. What the Lord thy God has spoken through my preacher. What the Lord thy God has spoken through me reading the word. Oh, I'm going to have to go back and reread that verse. I live scripture. It just pours out of me. I don't memorize it. It is a life. And God can quote his words any time he wants, even during the time I didn't know how to read. I was compelled to share the word of God long before I learned how to read. You couldn't keep it locked in me. Before I met my wife, I didn't know how to read. After I met my wife, I didn't know how to read. Before she taught me to read, I was compelled to share the word of God with her. And that's what her story was all about in this five hours in the rain. You cannot contain an indwell believer. You cannot contain an indwell believer. 
you have to shut them up or you got to cut them loose to do God's thing. No illiteracy, no Bible around, none of those matter. It's a compelling release from the heart of man. Freed from sin, it means in there in the Greek to liberate, that is to exempt from moral, ceremonial, religious, or mortal liability. Deliver to make free. So to be freed from sin, you are truly liberated. But you can go back and enslave yourself to anyone you're listening to. And I'm telling you, if you are into self-talk and self-listening, you're a self-life pleaser. You are going to please others before the living God. And if you want to put God on edge, be a people pleaser. Because it is the greatest form of idolatry, the most deceptive kind of idolatry, particularly for exchanged life people, is that they, they cower to the boldness of truth for the sake of saving the relationship. And that's why our culture today is relationship first, Jesus second. God, may you implant that in the hearts and the minds who just heard it. The Greek for slaves to righteousness is to enslave, bring into, or be under bondage. There's nothing wrong with you as an indwell believer to desire being a slave, to be in bondage. Because the literal ideology behind bondage is to be bonded. Bonded. I've got the mark. I'm recognized as being a servant to Jesus Christ, who is my husband. I'd like to see our culture bring that back into marriages. That the woman, that's why women only had pierced ears for generations. For the woman to have a pierced ear... A beautiful little earring in that ear saying, I am enslaved to my husband. Let's see how well that goes over in teachings today. But yet we could talk about it. Oh, I've got an earring in my ear. I'm enslaved to Jesus. Well, most could handle that. Oh, why do you wear an earring in your right ear? Are you gay or something? No, I'm enslaved to Christ as a volunteer. That would be more acceptable if they brought it back into the culture where women had to wear a pierced ear saying they are enslaved to their husband, which is where pierced ears came from. Men didn't wear earrings except for the gypsies. It was a symbol in culture of a woman being owned by a particular man. 602. 292, 2982. Weakness of the flesh in the Greek there is moral frailty, disease, infirmity, sickness. The weakness that dwells within the body as opposing to the soul or the spirit. Or as a symbol of what is external, human nature for example. 
This is where we get the whole idea of carnal Christian. So those who are submitting to the weaknesses that are flesh is where we get the idea of carnal Christian. So the Greek for resulting in sanctification is resulting, entering, one mind with, full motion in purification. That is the state of purity. Concretely, as a purifier, and the ultimate goal is to accomplish holiness. So sanctification literally becomes entering into this process of getting in the bathtub. It's very external. And God does an incredible job of cleaning up those external fleshly things. You're a great example of that, Bobby. And so are all of us here, really, of how God has us get into this bathtub of sanctification and he starts getting rid of these fleshly weaknesses resulting in sanctification. Getting out of the tub and saying, man, I'm clean for a day. For a day. Now, true sanctification in the inner man is eternal and it is forever. But sanctification of the flesh is a whole different world. If you try to blend the two together, you'll get sinless perfection. And that's when the exchange life goes wild. Here's our conclusion. Authentic, active, indwelt Christians should let these same fleshly weaknesses that they were once enslaved to to become the enslaving points of righteousness. So if you're enslaved into to think of anything in your mind right now, some fleshly weakness that you have, you don't work on changing the sin because really God needs to make use of that enslavement. He wants you to simply shift your enslavement over to Christ in righteousness. So instead of working on the sin, you're working on the enslavement focus. So now it's shifted over to Christ And now you were enslaved into, instead of being someone who's walking around swearing all day long, almost every time you hit your thumb to not hitting your thumb, you're swearing, 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 swearing. And you just shift that weakness, that fleshly weakness, over to being enslaved to righteousness. And what you're going to find, instead of saying, God damn it, all day long, you'll be blessing God all day long. And all of a sudden you'll notice you're not swearing like you used to. You see, it's a shifting of enslavement. It's not attacking or revising or trying to stop yourself from sinning. That is a 602. Secondly, indwell believers should search out the truth, Jesus that lives within each, to effectively listen and obey the gospel preached externally. Allow the Spirit to bear witness with the inward truth and submit themselves as slaves to the righteousness of Christ. Certainly you have heard of the ideology of the spirit bears witness with the truth. So you're reading your Bible and the spirit within you says, yes. You hear someone give a a message and and the spirit within you goes, yes. That's what we're talking about here. But most avoid that step. 
They're not sure what truth is or what it is not. Believers should reject all interests, forms, and demands of religion. Each should resist the temptation to use the law of the spirit of life to force feed others to live the Christian life. Fully understanding this propagates more and more religion. Authentic Christians need to initiate the release of the spirit within Not just themselves, but other born-again believers through the means of grace, which is a divine, a Holy Spirit influence upon the heart. They also need to avoid the demonic doctrines of changing behavior to change the heart. Responsible indwelled Christians will use the fronting of behavior to reveal the condition of the heart. So I am not negating that we stop confronting each other. The confronting closes the spaciness, the gap. You keep confronting them, confronting them, bondage, bonding. There's no more gaps. You speak, they listen, they obey. There's no need to change behavior. It's a powerful thing. Spirit-filled believers should never expect an unsaved person Think, as I say this, think how ridiculous this is. Spirit-filled believers should never expect an unsaved person, someone who is obviously enslaved to sin, to act Christian, to act like they're enslaved to righteousness. Each authentic believer should embrace the fact that only fools can expect unsaved people to replicate the works of the life of the Spirit. Now, I know because the Lord has warned me, in this one single point, that there are going to be very, very, very few listeners that got it. Because it takes a, an in-touch bond and bondage, enslavement, to the Holy Spirit within you for you to get that point. Some people spend their entire lives getting this one point. Why do you expect unbelievers to act like spirit-filled, enslaved Christians? You just look at the ideology of parenting and this parent constantly driving these children to be perfect, and all they're doing is forming a world religion inside their household. And then when they get to the teenage years, they see this extreme revolt against the doctrines of the church, and they're going, oh my God, what's happened here? You built a religion for them. You cannot expect unsaved children to act as spirit-filled, enslaved Christians. You can't. A doorknob is a doorknob. A light bulb is a light bulb. Jesus is Jesus. Life is life. Indwelling is indwelling. God is a God of order and clear definition. So religious people are not only people-pleasers, They enforce the law of the spirit of life onto their children and friends and others to live 
possibly a Christian life that doesn't even exist for that person. Any Christian who assumes another person is truly saved and they treat them like they're saved, they are producing religion in that person's life. When God himself is trying to show them they are a religious person going to hell until they have this. That's the only goal that God has for your life, being here on earth. That's it. Are you or are you not filled with the Holy Spirit of promise? Now, if you are, I have a few things you can help us with here. But if you're not, this is pointless for me to expect you to have the overflow of the Holy Spirit and not beat people up through your religion. People pleasers, as my old boss says, people pleasers are the most controlling people on the face of the planet. You pray about that. Propagating the things of shame. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification. And the outcome which is eternal life. Romans 6, 21 and 22. Now, the thing we, we have to remember in closing this podcast is the famous, most used verse in Romans, and it is, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if anyone is perceive this to be a bondage-oriented message, it is. I hope you feel in bondage. But I would like to ask, have you ask yourself the question, in whom am I in bondage to? There's nothing wrong with the word bondage. It's a biblical, healthy word. And so is its definition. Pray, think about the possibility of what you're enslaved to and who's behind the what you are enslaved to. None of us can live a sinless, perfect life here on earth. That day is coming for us. But the perfection of the sinless one lives in you if you're truly indwelt. If you're propagating everything from social gospel stuff to enslaving others by the way of grace. You really should ask yourself, is Romans 6.23 truly alive for me? This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.